Hey, everybody. This is the Average Joe's podcast coming to you live on an Easter Sunday, April 12th, Season 1, Episode 11. On today's show, we are going to complete our NASCAR Madness bracket, complete our Final Four, and pick a champion as to who we collaboratively think may be the best driver of all time, and we'll discuss the theories behind that. But uh, normally, we wouldn't be doing this show on an Easter Sunday, but obviously with the circumstances, no one's going anywhere. So, gentlemen... Happy Easter to everybody. How's everyone doing? Doing great, buddy. Happy, Happy Easter. Easter. Doing good. Happy Easter. Uh, good to hear. Good to hear. So, yeah, um, before we get started, there was one thing I was thinking about this morning that I wanted to bring up to you guys quick. And, of course, we have our <clears> final four here. It's Jeff Gordon wins the Daytona bracket. Jimmy Johnson wins Bristol. Uh, Tony Stewart, or Smoke as we like to call him, wins Pocono. And Kyle Busch comes out of the Darlington bracket. Um, so Kyle Busch is the only guy left, obviously, that could pretty much improve his legacy. I mean, yes, Jimmy's still racing, but I think we all agree that he's only got a year or so left. Yeah. Um, that. I was thinking about, uh, how that's going to play into our decision-making here, because for me personally, obviously I think Kyle Busch could move himself way up the ranks here. I think he will, in fact, but I was wondering how that possibility plays into your decision with you know, a guy that may have more to gain here versus guys that really don't. Yeah, that's definitely interesting, Josh. I mean, Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart, they both sort of retired at the same time, and their legacies were well well cemented before that. Jimmy Johnson, hey, there was even some talk that he might even come back next year with everything that's going on right now. But, yeah, Kyle Busch, the interesting thing was when he won the championship last year at Miami, Dale Jr. had him on his podcast later that night. And Junior said that if, if he feels like anyone could tie his dad, Jimmy, and Richard Petty for seven championships, it easily has to be Kyle Busch. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you just say recently that he wants to race for another 10 to 12 years at least? Yeah, he said that right about the time that, the, that Ryan Newman's accident happened at Daytona. And I know Samantha, his wife, said the same thing, that she's just so blessed, obviously, with when he broke his leg at Daytona in 2015, that he's still racing and plans to do it in cup for at least another 10 years right it's crazy so i guess what i'm trying to get at here is does anybody feel like and i'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth but if if we do end up saying okay um uh what am i trying to say here basically um i'm trying to avoid making kyle i mean we may very well pick kyle bush as being the best driver here but i don't know i just feel like it's maybe more fitting to give it to one of these other three guys now and then maybe revisit this five, six years from now and say, okay, Kyle Busch is officially the best driver. Do you guys feel like he might be right now? Yeah, I would I feel like he may be right now. I mean, yeah, I would definitely say he's the best driver in NASCAR right now by far. Right. I'm just worried that we might do a disservice to these other three guys here by putting Kyle Busch on the pedestal too early, but. I guess we'll see what happens here. Yeah, he'll yeah. turn 35 years old on May 2nd, and he already – I was going to say he already has the same amount of championships that, that Dale Earnhardt did at that age. Right. And obviously that's who I was hoping was going to make it to the Final Four. Yeah. So I guess my next question along those same lines would be, um, do any of these four guys that are left surprise you, or do you feel like these are pretty much the guys that we would have – in there regardless i mean dale uh jake obviously you just said you thought earnhardt would make it i told you on the side last week that i thought it was just a situation where he was in a very tough bracket and had some tough matchups down the stretch there but other than that any guys that stand out that might not have been there that you thought would have been you know i thought that i mean i'm not surprised that tony stewart made it this far i tried my best to make a good case for david pearson because i do feel like me personally, I always felt like he was the better of the two between himself and Richard Petty. Not surprised with Jimmy Johnson. Honestly, not surprised with Kyle Busch either. So I figured Jeff Gordon right. would make it. So to know. be honest, I thought in my, you know, and me being a Jimmy fan, I thought <clears throat> Jimmy, to be honest, would have been out last, like Sweet 16, to be honest. I, I don't know why. I just didn't think he'd make it down to the, the Final Four. Yeah, right. well, you remember, Tim, I even said, me personally, Dale, I know that you were the same way, that we we personally feel that Kevin Harvick is, is probably the better of the two. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, we kind of did this in an unorthodox way, and I liked the way we did it. I really had fun with it. It would have been real easy to just put, you know, Jimmy Johnson and Earnhardt in the finals because, you know, they have seven championships, or even Kyle Petty, right. for that matter. Yeah, but, Petty, you know, we – <laughs> or Richard Petty, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Richard Petty, my bad. If I'm looking at Kyle Busch's name. He'd have Kyle Petty in the final four. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at Kyle Busch's name, and Petty's right there, and I, I combined the two, but you know what I meant. But, yeah, it would have been real easy for us to put any of those three guys just right in the finals, but I think that would have probably made for some boring radio. So I'm glad we probably went the roundabout scenic route and and got to where we're at. But just out of curiosity's sake, before we get into these matchups here, what's the best uh, NCAA bracket you guys have ever done as far as Final Four teams go? Have any of you guys ever gotten all four? Oh, man. I've come close a few times. I know when – Kentucky won in 2012 that was probably the closest I came to a, a perfect final four bracket right I've never done a, a March Madness bracket for college no no I've never done one I mean I've always been know. you know I always enjoyed watching the games and that's the only time I've ever enjoyed watching basketball of any sorts but right yeah we kind of horrible at them yeah, I got three out of four Final Four teams to one year, but other than that, it's usually pretty few and far between. I know in my house lately, the last few years, the three of us have done a tournament challenge on ESPN, and we're, we place like a bet, friendly bet amongst each other, and the loser has to like clean the house or cook dinner or something. Oh, so nice. How many times has <laughs> Anthony had to cook dinner? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it's usually <laughs> stuff that wins it every year, so it's me and Anthony cleaning or cooking while she's watching us uh, for a change. <laughs> drink, it, drink a nice cold soda. Yeah, exactly. All right. So without further ado, um, you guys want to do the Daytona Pocono matchup first, I guess? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we've got uh, Jeff Gordon, who was our number one overall seed, according to the rankings average. And then we've got uh, Tony Stewart, who was number eight overall. He's a two seed. Um, Just to give you a rundown of the numbers here real quick. so Tony Stewart, uh, to 1999 to 2016, uh, 49 wins, uh, three championships, average finish of 14.1. And Jeff Gordon, 92 to 2016, 93 wins, four championships, an average finish of 12.5. This is a tough one. Yeah, yeah very tough. Yeah, it definitely is a tough one. But at the end of the day, I would have to go with Jeff Gordon. I mean, he did win three Daytona 500s. I still, it still blows my mind how he won four Southern 500s in a row. And last Sunday night, when Fox Sports won, when they had the 2003 Darlington race on that Ricky Craven beat Kurt Busch by two one thousandths of a second, I I studied deeply Tony Stewart's numbers at Darlington and and you said that that's probably the toughest track there is and quite honestly they're not really all that good here's the thing yeah we said Stewart's got what zero wins at Darlington zero wins at Darlington and you know uh Dale I just gotta say as much crap as you give uh, Dale Jr. and everything Dale Jr. actually had a better finish at Darlington and led way more laps there than Tony Stewart did (laughs) Tony only led 30 Tony Stewart's only led a grand total of 30 laps of Darlington. 30 laps of Darlington. His best finish there was third. Dale Jr.'s best finish there was second. That 2003 Darlington race alone, he led almost close to 100 laps. So Jeff Gordon was an absolute master of Darlington. He won there seven times. When it comes to road courses, they, they almost mirror each other. Jeff won nine road course races. Tony won eight. But at the end of the day, Josh, Jeff Gordon won six road course races in a row at one point. Right. Six. From 1997 at Watkins Glen to 2000 at Sonoma. And ironically, the person that ended it at Watkins Glen was Tony Stewart when he put Jeff on <laughs> the guardrail two laps into the race. <laughs> and, they, and they bitched about it yeah. after the race was over. So ultimately, right. I got cra- to go with – go ahead. I was just going to say the crazy thing about Gordon is like as tough a track as Darlington is when you see him personally, he doesn't look like a guy that would be able to handle a, a very physical demanding racetrack like that so well. But obviously, like you said, with those consecutive wins, he did for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like when you look at Darlington, honestly, the first person that I would think of or a lot of people would think of would be Dale Earnhardt. 
And I, like I told you last Sunday night, Josh, he went, Dale Earnhardt won there nine times. Jeff won there seven. They both had 19 top five finishes at Darlington. And Jeff was only one top 10 short of Dale Senior's total at Darlington, 24 to 23. That's wow. crazy. It is. So, Dale, I have a feeling I know which direction you're going to go. So, I'm going <laughs> to turn the mic over to you to make your pick here. Uh, I actually did some, you know, research on the side this week, and I think I'm actually going to switch and go with Gordon. What? Whoa. Oh. Dum, dum, dum. The world is definitely what'd you, under. What did you come across on your research that led you to that decision change? Just, you know – like Darlington, like Jake's saying, and six races in a row went in and just the sheer number of victories he has compared to Stewart. Granted, he doesn't have the IndyCar stuff, but we're not really looking at IndyCar, so I'm going to kind of leave that out. Right. Uh, Now, Dale, let's, you know, did Josh come over your house and do that to your ankle? (laughs) Is that what's going on here? (laughs) Clap twice. If you're being held hostage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dale. Because at no point did I think this is about that. Michelob Ultra did that to my ankle. My <laughs> <laughs> oh, Product man. placement. Product placement. Make sure we tag Michelob Ultra in this. Right. Yeah, um, nice sponsor of the show. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, for me, it's a no-brainer with this. Uh, I respect the hell out of Tony Stewart. His driving style reminded me a lot of Bernhardt, like we talked about with the aggressiveness and you know not taking anybody's nonsense on the racetrack. Uh, definitely a guy that was going to stand his ground no matter what, but um, the numbers don't lie. I mean, he's got one more championship. He's got almost twice as many wins. Um, the average finish is better. And really, the wins at Darlington and the road courses are the icing on the cake for me. And plus, let's face it, Tony never won the Daytona 500, and Jeff did. So, yeah. right. to me, all the boxes are checked for Gordon. I have to put Jeff Gordon in the finals. And how ironic right. that Tony Stewart didn't win the Daytona 500 until he finally retired. <laughs> right. Yeah. As an first, owner, yeah. Yeah, his first re- – yeah, just like Michael Andretti with the Indy 500. You can never win it as a driver, but as soon as you retire and become an owner, you, you end up winning it that way. <laughs> But, Realistically, that had to have been pretty bittersweet for him. Oh, yeah. I, for, I was going to say both Tony Stewart and Michael Andretti, for that matter, how you, you try and try for at least two decades, and it seems like you always have something go wrong or you finish second. And, like, I was watching the 2004 Daytona 500 the other night when Dale Earnhardt Jr. beat Tony Stewart, and he said even then, he said, you know, he, he's got his now. I'll get mine next year. And, unfortunately, things just never panned out for, for Tony in that race. Right. And to be fair, when you talk about Tony Stewart and think about his legacy, you'd probably have to go way down the list to find his restrictor plate racing on that list of accolades because he was never really known for his restrictor plate success. It, with right. The only exception was the July race of Daytona. He won that four times, but that was about it. And his Talladega win at 2008, in 2008, ironically, that was his last win with Joe Gibbs Racing. Honestly, that was a gift because Regan Smith, crossed the finish line first and they penalized him for going below the yellow line. So realistically, Tony didn't really win at Talladega. Right. I have a question for you on that quick first, but Tim, are you taking Gordon or are you taking Stewart on that one? No, I, I mean, it's a three, it's, it's a steamroll right now, but I mean, but I will say smoke is where he's supposed to be right now. He yeah. definitely deserves to be where he's at, but mm-hmm. I don't think he can get, I don't think you could put him past Jeff Gordon at all. Absolutely. The question I had for you guys, Jake, and you reminded me when you brought up that story there from Talladega, is how do you guys feel about that yellow line rule at the restrictor plate races? You know, I I pretty much feel like, you know, the, the ironic thing is it was created after the 2001 Daytona 500 of all things, because if you go back and you watch that race and Dale Earnhardt, Sterling Marlin, several of them, how they kept going down on the down on the apron on the backstretch to try and make passes. And I don't know. I, I just feel like it's pretty much I think they could do without it. Cause I think at this point I think everyone everyone knows how dumb of a move that would be to, to go down there and how big of a wreck that it could cause. So I think it's pretty much served its purpose at this point. 
and obviously it's it's up to NASCAR's discretion as to whether or not a guy was forced down below that line or not. And I don't think they always make the correct call with that. In fact, I would say six or seven times out of ten, they actually make the wrong call on that because I think a lot of guys are forced down there yeah. and they get penalized for going below the yellow line, but NASCAR doesn't see it that way. So yeah. I don't personally care for the rule myself yeah. either. Well, yeah, look at, look at Justin Haley in the Xfinity race at Daytona last July, how he just like – maybe a quarter inch of his left side wheels were on the yellow line and they put them all the way back to 18. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Tim Dale, you guys have any thoughts on the yellow line roll at the restrictor plates? Yeah, I'm not really a fan of it. I mean, I, I understand it being there and it probably does need to be there, but it's too uh, judgmental, like subjective in NASCAR where right. they basically make the call. It, you got to do it, make it, make it so that, you know, if you go below the yellow line, regardless of if you're forced or you do it willingly, you like get black flagged or something like that, but it can't be a subjective call. It's got to be all or nothing for me. Yeah. Right. I, I remember it was the 2006 Budweiser shootout and it was Kyle Busch and I think Michael Waltrip, they checked up badly coming down to coming down pit lane because they didn't want to get caught speeding and carl edwards carl edwards dove dove down past the yellow line to avoid both of them just avoiding both of them and he got black flagged for that so it's <laughs> definitely a, a tic-tac call for sure right tim any thoughts on that role um i mean you guys pretty much hit all the topics on it i mean but like dale said if you're gonna if you're going down regardless if you're gonna advance in 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 the you know, move, move up in the line. Like if you're going from fifth to fourth, or even if you're, you know, going from 16th to 15th or I, I just don't see why they would make it like a judgment call kind of deal. Right. Yeah. It's a Cause I mean, anybody make, could say, but... yeah, anyone could say, Oh yeah, he pushed me down. And you know, it, sometimes it's even hard to see on a replay what's going on, but I mean, it should be, you know, written in stone and that's it yeah because i remember races back in the mid 2000s and whether it was daytona or talladega and they would always show the clip of david hoots who was the race director it was him and mike helton how they he would always say in the driver's meeting you know if you go below the yellow line or you force someone below the yellow line it it is our discretion what we're going to do so they, it was never and that's the thing. Yeah, which is I don't feel never, that's right. Yeah, it was never it was never clear cut like what you know exactly what the protocol has always been. Right. Interesting stuff. So uh on the other side of our bracket, Jimmy Johnson took out Kevin Harvick in the Bristol bracket. He moves on to the final four. He was our number three overall driver. And then out of the Darlington bracket, the number two seed, Kyle Bush takes out Richard Petty. Kyle was number six overall. Um, obviously, Jimmy racing from 2001 to 2020, 83 wins, seven championships, five in a row um, versus Kyle Busch, who is also still racing today, 03 to now, 56 wins, two championships, average finish 13.6 for Kyle. And for Jimmy, it's 12.9. Um, this debate might take a little bit longer, but Tim, Jimmy Johnson's um, your guy. How are you going to go on this one? Um, I think, I think I'm going to have to go with Jimmy. Um, and the reason being, like uh, you said before we started, uh, this is probably Jimmy's last year, if not maybe next year, because of all this stuff going on. But uh, I mean, Kyle has many more years to show who he is and his whole career. I mean. Kyle's been in 18 years, Jimmy 20. I mean, Jimmy's 83 wins over 56 wins. So I, to me, Kyle needs to get another couple of years under his belt to tell me that he's, I mean, he's, he's definitely hands down right now, the best driver in NASCAR. No doubt about that. Right. I think uh, I got to give it to Jimmy for the, to go to the final here, just because I think Kyle has a little bit more to, to prove right this might be a little late in the game to ask this question to you guys but 
how were you guys selecting which driver would move on or who the best driver was? Was it purely driving style? Was it numbers? What did you guys look at? I think it was probably, I think it was probably a little bit of both driving style numbers basically. And, and of course the other thing too, is how they've adapted to how they've adapted to change over the years, you know? And obviously right. I know we put a lot of emphasis on certain racetracks. I know that that's another big thing too, Josh, like you were saying, Darlington, Bristol, tough places like that. So road courses, yeah. short tracks too. I know we, we've emphasized that at least you and I have. Jake, what are the yeah. Darlington numbers on these two? I can't imagine either of them have many wins there. Yeah. So Jimmy Johnson has three wins at Darlington. He, the last year that Darlington had two races in 2004, he swept both of them and wow. he did score the 200th win for Hendrick Motorsports at Darlington in 2012. And thankfully Rick Hendrick was there that night and they all had a big party after the race. Kyle Busch, his lone win at Darlington was in 2008, his first year at Joe Gibbs Racing, and ironically beating Dale Earnhardt Jr. one week after he dumped him at Richmond. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and when I was at the Southern 500, when I was at the Southern 500 uh, this past fall, Kyle Busch dominated a majority of that race after having a start in the back of the field, and he actually cut a tire down on the last lap and still limped across the finish line third place at two o'clock in the morning it was something else <laughs> dale how do you see this matchup playing out to me i mean i know you guys aren't sold on using what could potentially happen in the future but even throwing that out i think kyle bush is a better driver than jimmy johnson um so i go with kyle bush I agree, Dale. I got to go with Kyle Busch as well because, the, the, you know, the thing is, the other thing that has amazed me is, and I know Jimmy Johnson went through this for a good portion of his career, but every single year, I know he hasn't won a race yet this year, but every single year he's won a race. And he's won with two different organizations, Hendrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing, two manufacturers, Chevrolet and Toyota. He gave Toyota their very first win at Atlanta in 2008. He's pretty much become the face of Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing, Alan Gustafson, Steve Addington, Dave Rogers, Adam Stevens. That's four crew chiefs right then and there that he's not only one with, but you could also say made them made them look even better. Uh, Adam Stevens, he sort of came up through the through the the farm system at Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity series. But you know, Alan Gustafson, his first wins as a crew chief, Steve Addington, Dave Rogers. The, the I think what makes Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens, I think what makes them such a great pair and why they could be a dynasty, just like Jimmy and Chad were, unlike Allen, unlike Steve, unlike Dave Rogers, Kyle Busch, if he goes on one of his rants on the radio and starts bitching about the car or someone else, Adam Stevens is going to, unlike the rest of them, Adam Stevens is going to say, shut up, drive the car, let me fix it, we'll find a way. And he's so versatile, too. The fact that he's won at every single racetrack, on the cup schedule, with the exception of the Roval. You could look at that any way that you want. To me, he's definitely, like I've been saying for weeks now, the most naturally talented driver that there is out there. I have to ask, are we still friends no matter who I pick her? Yeah, I don't care, man. It's just a bracket. <laughs> doesn't mean nothing. No. Um, let me ask you guys this. If Kyle Busch didn't win that championship last year, would that change your mind at all? No. No. No, not at all. Okay. Oh, man. This might be the hardest matchup to pick in this entire bracket, at least to me. You guys are making it seem easy, but I don't think it's easy at all. Uh, hmm. I mean, and given, Josh, I am a Jimmy Johnson fan, so I naturally just lean more towards Jimmy. So, I mean, so I might, might be – my pick is a little, little biased or – right. Well, I've been the same way with Gordon pretty much this whole time, but at the same time, I'm only one opinion, so I could have got outvoted by right. the three of you guys, but right. he's, he's in the finals. Um, didn't Johnny Glow say his pick was Gordon and Johnson in the finals, a Hall Hendrick matchup? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, what does Johnny Glow know about NASCAR? <laughs> <laughs> he knows Jimmy Johnson drives the 48 Lowe's Chevrolet, and that's about it. Yeah, Lowe's Chevrolet. It's yeah, and well that's exactly outdated. <laughs> Said that because he has no clue. Um, Josh, real quick, 
I think one of the one of the deciding factors for me too, just like you were talking about before, is road courses. And yeah. Jimmy Johnson only won once at Sonoma in 2010. Kyle Busch, he has two wins at Sonoma and two wins at Watkins Glen. And nice. those, I was going to say, Sonoma was the first one was with um, the first one was with Steve Addington. The second one was actually Adam Stevens' first one as a crew chief. And he also, he swept the road courses in 2008 with Steve Addington. And he won there in 2013 with Dave Rogers. Yeah. Well, if I do pick Jimmy, he moves on because it would be 2-2 and he has more wins. Uh, but I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. Yeah. Picking Kyle Busch to go to the finals. Like, uh, and like I, I said before, Josh, I I was, you know, happy to see Jimmy in the final four the way it was, so. Oh, no doubt. I would, I would have to say, I don't want to speak for you, but if you asked, if we asked you before the bracket started, how far you think Jimmy would get, I doubt you would have said the final four. No, like I said, I, I, I expected maybe sweet 16. Right. Can't, we can't discount what his career has been. I mean, five championships in a row, seven total. There's only two other drivers that have ever done that. So we're not right. taking anything away from what Jimmy's done. I just, I can't ignore what Kyle's about to do in these next, in this next uh, decade. I can't ignore um, the dominance that he's shown at certain points over the last two decades. So right. I, I can't, I, I have to go with Kyle there. And I think head to head, if they were to race one another, even in their primes, I think Kyle wins that race easily. Yeah, I agree, Josh. And the other thing too is, and, and I know the beginning of uh, Kyle Busch's career, how he was very immature and very cocky, but I feel like when he met Samantha and getting married and also breaking his leg and becoming a father at the same time, I know Kyle still still has some outbursts here and there, but I think over the last five years, we've definitely seen a more different Kyle Busch in a, in a good way. Have you guys hey, used to hate into... Kyle Busch? Huh? You used to hate Kyle Busch, didn't you? Well, that was 2008, obviously. We, we pretty much yeah. know, can know why. Obviously, the yeah. biggest... The biggest mistake, and, and I'll take it to my grave, the biggest mistake Rick Hendrick ever made was dumping Kyle Busch and, and keeping Casey Mears of all people. Oh. And you end up firing Casey Mears the next year anyway. Yep. But the great thing is, the great thing is with, with Kyle Busch and Dale Earnhardt Jr., obviously there was a lot of tension when that move did happen when he went to Hendrick Motorsports and Kyle Busch was the odd man out because you can't, you know, you have the four-car limit. But I would say over the last eight, nine years, they've become great friends. Kyle actually went to his wedding and was one of the first people to reach out to him when he had his concussion in 2016. Yeah, so this this sets up, wow, an awfully intriguing matchup here in the finals. Jeff Gordon versus Kyle Busch. Um, have you guys put in any stock into average finish at all in these matchups, or are you kind of just ignoring that? I've ignored it a I've, little bit. Yeah, I've ignored it. Yeah, I haven't um, looked at that much. Right. All right. So, Jeff Gordon versus Kyle Busch for the championship. Thoughts? Well, first off, how ironic this is because when Kyle Busch was growing up, Jeff Gordon was his driver, and they got to be teammates for the first three and a half seasons of Kyle Busch's career. Right. Uh, who wants to pick this one first? Uh, you know, Dale, I feel like you're probably confident in your selection here. Oh, I am. I mean, since I <laughs> did this bracket, um, you know, my pick to win it all was Kyle Busch from day from day one. So yeah, I gotta stick with my guns and go with Kyle Busch. And let's be honest, no matter who wins this matchup, uh, I think anybody would say that you can't go wrong with either guy being the yeah. best of all time. Oh, not at all. And I mean. To me, just because his career isn't over doesn't make it that he can't be the best driver today. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've said it several times in the past that I thought Kyle Busch was and is the best of all time, just talent-wise. I don't think anyone's ever been more naturally gifted than Kyle. But I'm going to go with Jeff Gordon on this. I, uh, I, I, I'm kind of going to put my foot in my mouth here, but, uh, I did consider what Kyle's done in the past or will do in the future with the last matchup, but
but I'm not ready to say that he's the best of all time quite yet. I think it's going to come eventually. I think talent-wise, there's no question, but um, I want to see at least one more championship actually happen first before I go ahead and put that label on him. Yeah, Josh, I agree with you, and that next championship could very well be this year once once we get the season back going. The more I thought of it, and I did kind of have a feeling that it would come down to Jeff Gordon and Kyle Busch, you know, just, just based off of, uh, you know, you, me, and uh, Dale's, Dale's opinions about, you know, about Kyle Busch. But um, anyway, my point is, Jeff Gordon, like I said, when we first started this bracket, uh, Richard Petty made NASCAR a regional sport in the southeast part of the country in the 60s and 70s. Dale Earnhardt, he helped take it to national prominence in the 80s and 90s. And Jeff Gordon, late 90s, early 2000s, he helped it become a global phenomenon. We're talking about a guy. We're talking, first off, how many, how many open wheel drivers, how many open wheel drivers have made that transition to NASCAR and been a flash in the pan and then three, four years later, they're gone. Right. You know, and I think what makes Jeff Gordon so special and so unique and so different is, well, another thing is he came from California. He wasn't one of the good old boys like Dale Earnhardt from North Carolina or Daryl Waltrip from Kentucky or Bill Elliott from Georgia. And like we've talked about the versatility, whether it's winning three Daytona 500s, five Southern 500s, five Brickyard 400s, the road courses, the short tracks, you know, it, and I mean, to win, to win nine races at Martinsville, it, it's, it's absolutely incredible what he's done as a driver, as a broadcaster, an owner, a philanthropist, because people forget he has a, an ownership stake in, in Hendrick Motorsports. And, right. you know, we talk about how special Jimmy Johnson is. If it wasn't for Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson probably would honestly would have been a nobody. Because up until that point, his Bush Series career, he only had a handful of top ten finishes. Right. And Jeff Gordon, he, you know, he, him and Rick Hendrick, they were talking about expanding the four teams, and he said, "Hey, we've got to hire Jimmy Johnson." So yeah. when it's all said and done, I am going to take Jeff Gordon. Tim, who you got? What What's the spread here? We got one, one Dale for Jeff. Me and Jake pick Jeff. Mm. And what happens on a tie here? It's Jeff Gordon. Well, yeah, Jeff Gordon bring, wins it, right? I was going to say for every other matchup, Jeff Gordon would win due to the fact that he's got more wins. I mean, I don't particularly see a single tiebreaker that we could even use that would put Kyle ahead. But yeah. I mean, Kentucky if you guys want to, that would be it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm open to suggestions. If you want to use a different tiebreaker, that's fine with me. But I, I don't see, no. like Jake said, other in Kentucky, I don't see how Kyle's going to win. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, you could just make this that, easy and pick Jeff, uh, Tim. Yeah, not that my <laughs> not not that my opinion on Kyle Busch matters to anybody, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Gordon. So here's a good tiebreaker. Uh, well, even though we don't need it, but Xfinity and Truck Series. Yeah, yeah. The thing, the the one. Well, the one thing is Dale uh, Jeff Gordon never ran a truck race, but yeah, obviously when it comes to Xfinity, it's not even close. Yeah, if we were looking at the whole picture of all three series, obviously this would be no contest. I would yeah. pick Kyle. But when we're talking just Cup Series for now, I mean, ask me tomorrow, I might change my opinion. Ask me in five years, I probably will change my opinion. But I don't know. Right now, I just can't. I just can't make that leap yet and put Kyle ahead of Jeff Gordon just yet. Maybe eventually, but um, Dale, what if he never wins another championship? Would you still say? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking at him that he is going to definitely win another championship. I mean, I just – pure driving, I think Kyle Busch is a better driver. But yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Star. I agree. Yeah, talent-wise, I think Kyle, like Jake kind of laid out, I'm considering all the other things as far as, you know, seeing the talent of Jimmy Johnson and winning the championships and the success of Darlington and the road tracks. I don't know. That, to me, is icing on the cake, but – I just can't, not yet. And and not only that, but, you know, Josh, we've talked time and time again about how amazing that Unrivaled documentary was and how we could watch it 10,000 times and not get tired of it. Oh, yeah. I think think that was another thing that was special was when you think of it, when Jeff Gordon, when he battled 
Dale Earnhardt in 1995 for that championship. And think of it, you're battling a, a 44-year-old seven-time champion. You're 24 years old. You're from California. You're pretty much the outsider. And you beat you beat arguably one of the greatest there ever was in their prime. And it was sort of a passing of the torch when you think of it. You know, how ironic. Right. Here's, here's what's ironic is when Richard Petty won his last, his seventh and final championship in 1979, Dale Earnhardt won his first championship in 1980. When Dale Earnhardt won his seventh and final championship in 1994, Jeff Gordon won his first the following year. Wow. And Timmy, like you talked about how cool that was at, at the award ceremony in New York, toasting him with a glass of milk. <laughs> yeah, it was classy. Yeah, it definitely was. And and I have obviously felt that Dale Earnhardt was the best there was at Daytona and Talladega. And all three of Jeff's Daytona 500s, the first two, he had to beat Dale Sr. The last one, he had to beat Dale Jr. Oh, so, too hard. <laughs> the uh, crazy stat that I never – well, I guess I'm not surprised. But so Kyle Busch started in 2003 – and from then until when Jeff Gordon was done in 2016, so they basically raced against one another competitively for most of that. Kyle Busch, 38 wins. Jeff Gordon, 32. Wow. That is pretty phenomenal. And they both had Alan Gustafson, and, and that's the thing. Another great thing with Jeff Gordon was those eight races that he ran for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2016, he finished sixth in his final race of Martinsville. I was at Pocono in August when he was driving the, the Nationwide 88 car, and he was actually running seventh right before the fog came. And unfortunately, his seatbelt came undone. He had to come down pit road and end up finishing 27th. He did a mm. hell of a job driving that car. He was running second at Bristol when he slipped out of the groove and almost ended up hitting the fence, and he still ended up finishing like 10th or 11th or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely incredible what – both uh, what both of them have accomplished for that matter honestly out of everything that gordon did in his career i was probably most impressed with that coming out of retirement jumping in that car and running it as well as he did yeah i thought that was a testament to his driving prowess than anything else he did in his entire career before that and it's like i told you josh when when he drove dale jr's car at watkins Glen, even with the hood all caved in because austin Dillon brake checked him he almost ended up getting the top 10 finish that day right yeah. And I'm sure for you, Jake, that was an eye-opening experience to really understand how good, good of a talent he was, considering yeah. he probably hated him most of his career before that. <laughs> That's the thing. I, I did. It, like I've told you before, Josh, it's a good thing we didn't know each other in the 90s or early 2000s because we probably wouldn't have been friends, <laughs> <laughs> whether it was the Dallas Cowboys or Jeff Gordon. And Definitely kind of watch races together. That's for sure. Yeah. I think, I think honestly, when I started to appreciate Jeff more honestly was when Dale Jr. signed his contract with Hendrick. Right. And they did become very, very close. I mean, they were already good friends, but how Jeff would always come to victory lane to congratulate him and vice versa. And I think it was funny that August race, I obviously it, it I was so bummed out that Dale Jr. Couldn't race, but yeah. I understood the reasons why I'll never forget that Monday morning, my dad and I, we were driving, we were driving up to Pocono and he had this big grin on his face. And I said, what, what's so funny? He said, 10 years ago, you hated Jeff Gordon with a passion. Now you're going to be pulling for him today. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it full circle indeed, you know? Right. Well, man, what a process that was. We whittled it down. We started with 68 drivers, get down to one here, Jeff Gordon, at least collaboratively. I don't think we would all have that same person as our best driver. I know I personally would, but yeah. I might be the only one there. But uh, what do you guys think about the bracket overall thoughts on the process or how it went or any of that? I had so much fun doing it, and I hope that we could do another bracket again sometime soon. I know we talked about best NFL quarterbacks. I think that would be really, really cool to do. Well, I'll tell you right now, for me, it's not going to be Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, or Tony Romo. So. <laughs> Yeah, imagine if Skip Bayless did a bracket. It would be it would be Tom Brady, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Dak <laughs> Prescott would be his final four. <laughs> Tim, Dell, number one is Al Bundy. Oh, there Al you Bundy. go. Pokai, baby, number thirty-three. <laughs> the real goat. Yeah, you guys have a good time doing this, Tim and Dale. Yeah, yeah, this is enjoyable. I mean, 
some some you know was long but i mean yeah. yeah i had a lot of fun you know being able to pick i mean picking guys that you know but from back in the 50s and stuff was a little difficult for me because i mean i don't i'm not as knowledgeable as you know dale and uh and jake and you josh on some of these guys but i mean that was the that was probably the harder part for me is to try and understand you know you you can there's one thing to see the stats on a driver in the 50s but if you're trying to you know go off of his stats and his like driving ability like that's kind of difficult unless you're able to find a race on i don't know youtube or something and to watch some of these guys but i mean besides that i enjoyed it a lot yeah timmy that that's one of the great things that i enjoyed about this i mean obviously as someone that that's a that studied the sport I, it's fun to dive into those people from the 50s and the 60s. But like you said, obviously, you didn't have the TV coverage and the media coverage back then. So those are some, some hard, hard gems to find on YouTube for sure. Right. And Dale, Dale, I got to give you a quick shout out because without you, this uh, ranking in the bracket wouldn't have been possible. So I really appreciate you putting this together for us and uh, appreciate your expertise with the spreadsheets. Yeah, thank you, buddy. No problem. Josh, Josh, you already broke his ankle. Leave him alone. <laughs> well, now that Jeff Gordon's our champion, I can start rubbing it in. So, Yeah. Go massage yeah, his leg was, now. I was so hoping for an Earnhardt Gordon final, but I guess we'll have to try again some other time. Yeah. Well, if they were in a different bracket, you could have – I mean, if it was Earnhardt versus Kyle Busch, that would have been yeah. intense. I. Yeah, I, I would that'd be really, really curious to see how that would have panned out. And like I told you a couple of weeks ago, Josh, I would have loved to have seen the two of them run at least one race together. Dale, who would you take in that matchup if it was Kyle versus Earnhardt? Kyle. I would I would take the third place car because they'd both wreck each other. <laughs> 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 and who would that third place car be, Josh? Probably um, Jeff Gordon. Or yeah. Walter. <laughs> It'd be that 24 Rainbow Warrior car. That's what it would be. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Favorite paint schemes? The Rainbow 24 car or the Flames? Rainbow. Yeah, I was more he, of the – I like the Flames better. Yeah, easily the Rainbow for me. He probably had a little more uh, more wins with the Flames, but – Yeah. I'm I think the, the Rainbow, Rainbow one is just more – It's more, more iconic, known. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I well, I just did the math in my head. Out of his ninety-three wins, fifty-two of them were with uh, the rainbows. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Now wow. let me ask you this: While we're talking about paint schemes, favorite paint schemes here. So, Dale Earnhardt, Wrangler or Goodwrench? Good Wrangler. Wrench. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Well, Wrangler. Wrangler. Wrangler was it, it was a beautiful paint scheme, Timmy. It really was. Yeah. I just what saw. About- I just saw a uh, thing on. Uh, with that Facebook market of uh, diecast of the, I don't, I'd have to look it up again, but it was the seniors Wrangler gold series or something, oh, yeah. Dale. It, it went for, it was up for like 850 some dollars. Wow. Jeez. What year was it from Timmy? I, I'd have to look it up. I want to say maybe like eighties. It was yeah. looked like the one from the 88 race with Daryl Waltrip. Or 86, you mean? 86, yeah, 86. Yeah, because yeah, because 88 was the first year with GM Goodrich as the primary. Okay, sponsor. yeah, yeah, but it was that, but it was like a gold, I guess a gold style. I didn't really look into it. Mm-hmm. But that All was, right, what paint scheme would you prefer? Goodrich. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I don't know. When I think of the Intimidator and Dale Earnhardt, that's the paint scheme that comes to mind. I know the Wrangler started it all, but I, I gotta go with that black number three. Yeah, definitely. When you see that in your rearview mirror, that's gonna give you goosebumps and yeah. Say, oh crap! I better get ahead of this guy, or I'm going to get wrecked. There was there, Jeff Gordon told the story when they they did a sports century on Dale Earnhardt a couple of years after he passed away, and I think Jeff said it was the, his first ever Cup race at Darlington, and he was he was holding Dale up a little bit, and they came off of what's what's now Turn Four. It was Turn One then. He said, you know, I'm trying my best to hold them off, and we come off the corner, and the next thing I know, wham! My back tires got lifted off the ground. I figured I better just let him go right now. <laughs> Dale, what were your thoughts on uh, Bubba Wallace quitting the iRace at Bristol the other week? <laughs> I don't think I could uh, keep that PG. P- <laughs> <laughs> I 
How about him losing a sponsor, though? A real-life yeah, sponsor. So so here's the thing with that, guys, was when I was listening to Junior's podcast the next day, him and his co-host, Mike Davis, they said, really, when you think of it, these sponsors, that's an opportunity for them to get some exposure during all this downtime right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And he costs the money, realistically. And let's face it, Richard, we all know Richard Petty Motorsports, that they have had some serious serious financial troubles over over the past decade or so and to lose a sponsorship like that i mean that's that's a huge huge blow for them because i don't know if you guys remember there was a rumor right before the coke 600 last year that they were going to shut down yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if that decision by bubba to quit and lose that sponsor might play into him not being back next year yeah honestly i don't think he should even be back in the 43 his performance is mediocre at best and that's probably an exaggeration and to go and quit that even though it's an, uh, an iRace and lose a sponsor like that when, like you said, Jake, they're hurting. To me, yeah. that's just – the writing's on the wall. He won't be back in that car next well, year. Well, no. I mean, what? Blue Limo has, like, a big um, thing with Richard Petty. Yeah. So it's not just, like, you know, he, he's kind of screwing Richard Petty with that too. Yeah, right, definitely. Because right. Richard Petty's done tons of commercials for them over the years. Yep. And- Did it still have STP as a sponsor, Jake, or no? I, I mean, they they still do, but they haven't been on the car yet this year. And when I look at Bubba Wallace's career, let's face it, the only series that he was really good in was the truck series, and that was when he got to drive for Kyle Busch. Yeah. And, and every, honestly, with Bubba, with Bubba, when he's got that the Air Force uh, on the car, like, I can't help but think, you know, I love seeing the military exposure and all that, but, man, they got more better things to dump their resources in than a race team. So you got to find something else there. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, when I look at Bubba's stats, and I mean, granted, it's it's Richard Petty Motorsports. I understand the equipment isn't all that great. They got an affiliation with RCR of all people. But really, when you think of it, Bubba's best finishes, second in the Daytona 500, and majority of his top tens were Texas and Phoenix, where there were tons and tons of crashes that took out most of the field. Miraculously, he had that third place at Indianapolis last year. And when he finished sixth at Las Vegas, that was because of that late caution, he decided to stay out. So he hasn't right. really stood out to me. No. And he's he's so immature sometimes too. Tim, did you have something you wanted to say there? Oh no, I, was, I have the TV on here for the iRace today, and yeah. Bubba Wallace was just talking to uh, Clint Boyer. I didn't get to. <laughs> I have it on. I didn't get to hear any of it. When we're done here, I'm going to go back and rewind it and turn it up. But they have yeah, both on. There's what? There is no iRace today. Yeah, there is none. The, the only I thought it was yeah. It's a rerun of an old one. Yeah, it has to be a rerun. They, they're not doing one this weekend. The only iRace that they had was yesterday when they did that IndyCar race for Michigan, which was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Yeah, I just turned it on the TV here and it was on. I, I thought they were racing today. Nah, they they were thinking about doing. It. I know Adam Adam Stern said that there was they were thinking about possibly doing an iRace at Daytona, but. They figured out a respect for Easter that they weren't going to do it. So they'll get back at it at Richmond next Sunday. Nice. Well, he hasn't risen, so they should race. Yeah. Well, like I've always said, it, if anything, if anything, if, if you're going to do something Easter weekend, at least do it on Saturday, like IndyCar. Yeah. 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 Well, let's hope before long we're back to actual real racing here soon. Even yeah. if it's without fans, I want to see something. Oh, me too. And Dale, you said it yourself that it, that would intrigue so many people if you ran several races without fans because Adam Stern, I guess he said that NASCAR has sent out at least three or four different schedule proposals to the teams. One of them is resuming at the Coke 600, May 24th. Another one is June 7th at Texas doubleheader weekend with IndyCar. And the, the fourth one or the third one that I read, cause let's face it, Martinsville is not going to happen Mother's Day weekend, you know? No. But the fourth no. one that I read was they, they talked about 15 weeks since since Atlanta. Well, if you do the math, 15 weeks, guess what weekend that is? Pocono. Yep. And oh. if, they, if they don't have to resume, if they can't resume until late June, NASCAR said that they, they'll have to, they're more than willing to race well into December. Nice. Yeah. Well, the uh, last... Go ahead, Josh. No, go ahead. I was going to move on to something else. So go ahead. 
So the last NASCAR Cup Series race to be held in December was in 1971 at Texas World Speedway, which is getting ready to be demolished, by the way. Wow. Um, two things real quick before we end the show. First, Jake, I know you're a huge fan of the Hall of Fame class this year, especially because your boy Dale Jr. is up for induction. Um, I know me, Tim, and Dale weren't really enthused about discussing it, but if you want to get on your soapbox here for a moment and talk about the Hall of Fame class, go right ahead. Well, I do feel like, I mean, we all said it, Dale Earnhardt Jr., he's going to get in on, on that first ballot. We all know it. Right. I mean, when, you, when you're the son of a seven-time champion, arguably the most popular driver ever, to win 15 consecutive most popular driver awards, two Daytona 500s, four straight wins at Talladega, launching the careers of Brad Keselowski, Martin Truex Jr., his TV work, his charity work. I think that he, he'll definitely get in on that first ballot. Kevin Harvick even said it himself. Yeah. When I, I look – sorry. No, go ahead. When I look at the rest of the class or the rest of the, the nominees, there's one name that comes to mind that would be so, so fitting for the two of them to go in the Hall of Fame together. Kirk Shelmerdine. Kirk nice. Shelmerdine won four championships with his dad, 86, 87, 90, and 91. And when he was on Dale's podcast last year, he said that Kirk Shelmerdine said he's always been a quiet guy. And because of that, he he's never really looked for the notoriety or the recognition. And that's probably why he hasn't gotten into the hall of fame yet. Right. You know, I mean, Ray Everham's in already Ray Everham won three championships. Don't get me wrong. Ray Everham was one of the greatest ever, but I think it's definitely time for, for Kirk Shelmerdine to get that recognition that he deserves because let's face it, those Wrangler and Goodwrench days, the one hogging up the camera was always Richard Childress. Um, as far as the pioneer candidates, it would be kind of fitting if it was Jake Elder, because that's who Dale won his first race with at Bristol in 1979. But I got to go with Ralph Moody. Ralph Moody and, you know, Holman and Moody, that was one of the dominant teams of the 1960s. So those would be the three that I would vote for. Nice. Dale, real quick, it's the on FS1, it's the World of Outlaws race, if you're interested. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got it on. I have it on right now. That's yeah, what I was yeah. watching. I guess it was just them guys talking before. Yeah, because Kyle Larson was in it, and Clint Boyer was doing the, the color work for it. So Nice. Yeah. Uh, I did see Carl Edwards' interview on Race Hub the other day, and uh, he was talking about how he was out in the woods with his brother, basically, when he got the phone call for the Hall of Fame and how surprised he was that he was a candidate. I don't think he'll get in. I've always been a Carl Edwards fan, but I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy, at least not this year, so. Yeah, that's really my only input into the Hall of Fame conversation. Yeah, the one thing with Carl Edwards is he he never won a Daytona 500. He lost he lost the championship multiple times when he had a shot to win it. Here's the thing, guys: we talk about Martinsville, and I know you know Dale Jr.'s numbers; they are what they are. But he did win there. He did have 13 top fives, 19 top tens. He led almost a thousand laps there. Carl Edwards, he had guess how many? Top five finishes in Martinsville. One. Yeah, one. Six top tens and I think like 30 laps led or so. And I did not look that up just to let yeah. you guys know. <laughs> <I did>. um, <laughs> Dale, I know on the side we were texting yesterday about, you know, you were pretty infuriated about how Carl basically quit on his team so late in the season. Is there anything you wanted to add to that or explain what you meant there? I mean, it's – so NASCAR to me is completely different than – all the other sports like that with retiring, you have to set this team up when you're going to retire to have success in the future. Quitting basically the way that Carl did a month before the season and coming out of nowhere, all those cars are already prepared for, you know, for next year for at least the first handful of races. And just, I don't know, the way that he left like that just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, quite honestly, Dale, I've been saying it for years and years and years, but honestly, not just the way that he retired, but Carl Edwards always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. To me, I honestly, I know everyone, you know, I know everyone, majority of people loved him and acted like he was a saint and everything, but to me, I honestly thought he was one of the more two-faced people in the sport. Yeah, I, even though I did say I, I enjoyed watching him race and liked him as a driver, I, I certainly didn't appreciate how he quit on his team that late in the seat. Well, in the off season like that, but uh, you have to wonder. I, we all said that you know we didn't think Suarez was God's gift to drivers, but you have to wonder if the abrupt retirement led to 
the lack of success there that following year. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Soar has just won the Xfinity Championship, and he was expecting to, to try and defend it in 2017. And all of a sudden, just like that, you got to move up to the Cup Series. And like I told you guys, you can't test anymore unless Goodyear invites you to a tire test. Right. So, I mean, he, he was basically fed to the wolves right then and there. Yeah. And, yeah, I know he hasn't had any success, but, I mean, he was he was pretty much a fish in the water that first year. Yeah. And Joe Gibbs, when he was on Junior's podcast last June, he said it was, I think it was Christmas Eve, Carl Edwards came to visit him, and just out of nowhere, he said, yeah, uh, I just want to let you know that I'm retiring. And <laughs> it didn't even last – Joe Gibbs said it didn't even last – five minutes he said it was probably the most awkward conversation he's ever had in his life oh, i bet yeah tim any thoughts on the hall of fame at all uh not the not about the hall of fame but i would like to say a few about the whole carl edwards thing if yeah got sure. time. go ahead all right um dale you said that you didn't like how he how he uh, just up and quit is that what you said i was trying to he was like yeah. cutting out here and there yeah, basically, like you know, just said I'm done. See you yeah. guys. And like you, like like you said, you want like he should have like to set up the uh, the the team and let him, you know, give him a heads up and everything. Yeah. Yep. Um. Well, what if you know, like I, I mean, we we were texting the uh, yesterday or the other day about it, and I said, you know, maybe it was like a maybe he's taking two one too many hits or something, or, but I mean, what if somebody like Ryan Newman decides to hang it up? after his accident is that a different was that would that be considered just a different story because of obviously what happened yeah i mean like there carl edwards is the the uncertainty of why did it happen that way like if there was a reasoning behind it and he you know gave everybody a little bit of insight into it and said hey right you know i've had X amount of concussions. This is the reason I'm doing this, so that way I can spend time with my family. Right. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just, yep, I'm just gonna. Retire. I mean, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to us to like the average Joe, no pun intended. But <laughs> or was it? It's, uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I mean, he may have told the people that it mattered to. I mean, I believe me, I know like to us the fans and stuff like we we think we deserve to know too especially if you're a fan of him like if you're if he's your driver and whatnot tim i get what you're saying and all but uh, in dale's defense i have to say with the season ending in november if he would have taken another week or two and said listen due to medical reasons i'm hanging it up but to wait until january i don't think you have to wait long if it's medical reasons especially when there's no racing going on yeah right and that's the thing like i told you guys on friday obviously the one of the biggest storylines of 2016 was when Dallin Hart Jr. suffered his concussion at Michigan and how he had to miss the entire second half of the season. Now, from what I, I remember, I believe that Carl Edwards, don't quote me on this, but I believe Carl Edwards' wife is a doctor. She I is. wonder if maybe, I'm, yeah, I'm I wonder. If, I, seeing, yeah, seeing the condition that Dale Jr. was, was in for a majority of the summer and the fall, you wonder if, if maybe that might have had something to do with it. I don't know, because Carl sort of dodged that question at that press conference. And here's the other no, thing think- as far as his career path goes. 2004, his rookie season, he only raced 13 races, but every year after yeah. that, raced every single week. Yeah, well, well, 2004, what happened was Jeff Burton was still driving the 99 car, but they couldn't find sponsorship, so he left after Watkins Glen and went to go drive for RCR. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. Carl was... Carl yep. was in his second year of the truck series at that point. Right. Never missed a race for health reasons or otherwise. Um, Jake, nine wins in 2008. I guess that's the year he lost the title on the tiebreaker to Tony. No, that was 2011. 2008. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 2008, Carl did win nine races. What happened was he wrecked a majority of the field at Talladega, and there was a lot of, it was a lot of chase contenders himself. Greg Biffle, Dale Jr., Kevin Harvick. And Kevin Harvick was so pissed off about it that he uh, he confronted him at Charlotte just a couple days later, right before practice. Yeah. But this was 2008. This was the Jimmy Johnson, Chad Knauss era. Yeah. But, yeah, 2011, when, when he, that's how he lost the, the championship to Tony. He only won one race that year at Las Vegas because Tony's team screwed up on the last pit stop. And Tony himself won five of the last ten chase races. 
And it's not like he wasn't competitive. His last three seasons, no. points finishes ninth, fifth, and fourth his last season. Yeah. Um, I will say financially, they don't give 2016 here, but at $80 million career earnings, he set himself up pretty good for future success. So. Yeah, yeah, Josh. Twenty sixteen, that was when the charter system began, and one of the one of the things that they agreed with was that they would no longer post the race winnings. Okay. Um. Yeah. So now, now the thing is, last night they had Carl Edwards' last race on, where Jimmy Johnson won his seventh championship. And the other thing that I like, I told you guys that I wonder was he was ten laps away from winning that championship, and I forget who it was, but NASCAR threw a caution flag for a car getting sideways. For a car getting sideways. Didn't even wreck? No. No. I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Corey. Was it Corey LaJoy? I don't even remember if it was Corey LaJoy, Matty D, whoever. It was some backmarker car. They got sideways in turns one and two, and they threw the caution flag. Yeah. And then on that restart, he tried he tried blocking Joey Logano, and we know Joey Logano is not going to lift, and he went into the inside wall and ricocheted back up at the back up the track and took out brad casey kane a bunch of cars but the thing with carl was what pissed me off about him obviously being a fan of junior and brad was he he wrecked junior head on at atlanta in 2004 when he was right in the thick of the championship and never apologized for that and when junior wrecked him at a bush race at michigan in 2006 uh, Carl decided that he wanted to be like Cole Trickle, and he comes flying. He comes flying down pit road, back up onto the track, door slams Dale Jr. while he has his left hand out the window. Could have taken his freaking hand off when you think of that. <laughs> and then let's fast forward to 2010 when you you wreck at Atlanta. You're a hundred laps down. You come back out on the racetrack and turn Brad Keselowski 190 miles an hour on his roof. Right. On his freaking roof. And you don't get suspended for that. And the thing is, like I said, I know a lot of people like like Carl Edwards, but I'm just like Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick said it two weeks later when they got to Bristol. Me personally, I thought he was fake as hell. Now, Jake, wasn't the Kozlowski incident payback from Talladega or something, though? So Talladega, well, the thing is, that had been brewing for a year, the Atlanta incident. So when they went to Talladega, Brad was under a lot of pressure because Junior and Rick, they were on him. He was still a nationwide. They said, look, you've torn up a lot of cars. you got to pace yourself. Tony Senior was on him, too. He had already found out that Mark Martin was going to be back at Hendrick the following year. So Brad knew, like, I've got to win. I've got to make a case for myself. And it was one of those situations. Brad pulled out to pass him, and Carl came down on him, and Brad thought, the hell with this i can't go below the yellow line i'm not gonna lift and he didn't lift and i guess brad spun him out in a nationwide race in memphis later that year but the final boiling point was it was a nationwide race the gateway in 2010 and they came off the last corner and carl carl right reared him head on into the fence coming off a of turn four for the win and that was when Bob Keselowski, Brad's dad, said, I'm tired of this. I'll get my own damn uniform back on if I have to. And didn't, but, Carl, didn't like, Carl cross the finish line on his feet, that Talladega one? <laughs> yeah, he did, trying to channel Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, when Brad, when he took that hit at Gateway and his car came back, back down across the track, he got T-boned by several cars. Right. So Carl was... My mom said it best. Carl Edwards was definitely the Eddie Haskell of NASCAR. He acted <laughs> like he was such a nice guy, but yeah. he definitely had a, a different side to him that people fail to recognize. Right. Yeah. Well, real quick before we end the show, we have a quick turnaround this week. So Thursday night, mm -hmm. we're all going to put our GM caps on, and we're going to do our first ever uh, mock draft for the first round of the NFL draft here coming up in a few weeks. Uh, Jake, you want to give the listeners the details on how that's going to go? Sure, buddy. So the NF so the first round of the NFL draft, we're going to do the first round. It's 32 picks. Now, there's five of us, but what we're going to do, me and Kyle Williams, we are going to do eight draft picks together. And the way that I put the order together, Josh, I made sure that you have the Dallas Cowboys pick at number 17. Okay. Dale, I made sure that you have the Redskins pick at number two. And obviously, Kyle, being a, a diehard, diehard Raiders fan, you know, they have two picks, the 12th pick and the 19th pick from when they traded Khalil Mack. So, me and Tim, Timmy, 
Steelers don't have any picks, so it's pretty much whatever it is for us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be a lot of fun, though. He's looking forward to it, and we were already discussing on Friday night, like, some of the needs for our picks, like the Giants, the Cardinals, the Raiders. And, you know, Kyle said he, – he said – he said, well, at least with one of these picks there, the Raiders are going to do what the Raiders always do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I'll, I'll mention this again on Thursday, but we're not going to uh, do any trades. We're just going to let the team yeah. stay in there and take the pick. And Dale, I wanted to ask you, you want to take Chase Young now or you want to wait till Thursday to do it? I'll take him now. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you're taking uh, Macaulay Culkin for the Bengals. Right? Yeah, I am taking the good son. <laughs> yeah, Kenny, so that- are you picking – Timmy, are you picking Axel Foley for the Detroit Lions? Axel Foley? Yeah, Never. Axel Foley. Dude. He's not on my list. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? He's not on my list. Is he a new guy? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's coming up Thursday night. Jake, do you – Sorry, go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, Jake, do you have the the order, the pick orders in, like, on email or anything? Yeah, I could – yeah, I could definitely send you I could definitely send you guys the list again. Yeah, resend and, that if you could, yeah. Jake. Yeah. Well, I was oh, you already sent it? No, I haven't sent it yet, but I'll definitely send it to oh, you okay. guys again. So okay. if you're not gonna take so if you're not gonna take Axel Foley for the Detroit Lions, then I guess it would be Brad Kozlowski, right? Huh. Well Brad Kozlowski will be the honorary he'll come in and make the pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll yeah, he'll, I'll have him take the pick. I give him one hundred percent. All right, so we're, Trust we're to pick. Thursday night about 7.30. We're going to all be quarantined into our war rooms and sit here and do a 32-pick first-round mock draft, so that's going to be exciting. But, uh, guys, any final thoughts before we end the show here today? No, sir. It's been a lot of fun doing this bracket. I hope that we can do another one NFL-wise, and I know I got another great idea for you guys, you know, favorite player from every NFL team. That's another one that we could dive into. Yeah. But uh, I just want to say personally to all three of you, to Josh, Dale, Timmy, I just want to say happy Easter to, to all of you. To, you know, I hope that all of you, you, Steph, Diane, Laura, Jackson, Anthony, Macy, and Sawyer, I hope, I hope all of you, all of you just have a wonderful, wonderful day with your families. Uh, thanks, man. Right back at you. Yeah, you appreciate- yeah for sure. Thank you. All right, fellas. It's yeah, gonna... it's been a... Go ahead, Jake. It's been a very relaxing but fun day, man. Sounds good. Well, it's been a good time. we got the NASCAR Madness bracket complete, and uh, hopefully you guys will tune in Thursday night and listen to what we have to say about our mock draft. It's going to be a lot of fun bringing Kyle in and make the Raiders picks and all that. But uh, we appreciate everybody joining us here on Season 1, Episode 11 of the Average Joe's Podcast, and we'll see you in a couple days. Take care. <laughs>